Hey friends, welcome back to the Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm the host of this podcast and I want to thank you for joining with me again this week for this week's message. Today we are in the second of our series of messages through the book of Joshua from the Bible. And the second part of the story is about God's mysterious mission. Uh, this is where Joshua sends out spies to uh, check out the promised land before they invade it. And the mission almost fails before it even begins. Uh, the mission is threatened as the spies go out and are almost uh, overcome by the enemy. And it's an interesting story about how God's mission works out, how it's kind of always on the edge of collapsing, but how God always comes through in the end. It's about God's mysterious mission and how we discover unlikely friendships and unlikely alliances that God brings into our lives to do things we would not expect. So I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect on this message on God's mysterious mission. Sometimes unlikely friendships develop between people that we would not expect. One such friendship developed some years ago between President George W. Bush and the actress Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen and her wife were filmed sharing a stadium suite with the former president at a Dallas Cowboys football game. DeGeneres is a progressive. Bush is a conservative. DeGeneres is married to another woman. Bush opposed same-sex marriage. In normal life, friendships between conservatives and progressives are not uncommon. In public life, however, such friendships are seen as a sign of moral compromise. So Ellen faced a wave of withering criticism from the left. How dare she befriend an ideological enemy, especially someone so powerful and destructive? So Ellen had to address the controversy on TV and online. She said, here's the thing. I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs I have. When I say be kind to one another, I don't only mean the people that think the same way you do. I mean, be kind to everyone. Her explanation rocketed across the internet. On Twitter, her plea for kindness racked up 21 million views. But it didn't silence her critics from the left. Molly Roberts wrote in the Washington Post that Ellen told America she's better than us. She said kindness is her brand. It's an awfully clever brand to have. It has the heft of virtue without any of the heaviness that comes with actually being virtuous. She was basically saying that you shouldn't be kind to people who are wrong. Being kind to them normalizes and justifies what they are wrong about. She was saying we shouldn't be tolerant of people who hold opinions we think are wrong. She was saying it would be better to call them out and shame them 
It's a view of tolerance that isn't really tolerant at all. It's a view that is at odds with Christ's command to love your enemies and to bless those who persecute you. Both Ellen DeGeneres and George Bush took a risk in developing a friendship with someone who didn't think like they did. It was the right thing to do. They were criticized for it. As we look at chapter 2 in the book of Joshua, we see it also talks about an unlikely friendship. It talks about an alliance that grew between the spies Joshua sent into Jericho to scout out the city before attacking it, and a Jericho woman named Rahab, who was a prostitute. She was not the kind of person you would think that God's people would partner with to accomplish God's will. So it's an important story to help us understand God's mysterious mission. Joshua chapter 2 talks about four things. The mission, the threatened mission, the fear of the mission, and mission accomplished. First of all is the mission. Joshua chapter 2 verse 1 says, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. In chapter 1, God had commanded Joshua to lead the people across the Jordan River and to enter the promised land that he was about to give them. The spies are to move about secretly, so that the authorities will not know what they are up to. Their mission is to look over the land, particularly the city of Jericho. Jericho was probably a moderate-sized city. Later in the book, we read about how they marched around the city seven times in one day, so it couldn't have been that big. But what gets our attention right away is that these two spies representing the people of God, would enter the house of a prostitute. It's not the kind of behavior we would expect from God's people. However, in the culture of that time, it's likely that Rahab was like an innkeeper. It was probably both a tavern and a brothel. There were not lots of hotels back in those days for travelers to stay in. Many people opened up their homes to others passing through. Rahab was probably running a business that we would call both legitimate and illegitimate. She probably served both good people who just needed a room for the night, as well as men who wanted some female companionship. Without critiquing her profession, we are introduced to Rahab right away in verse 1. This begins an unlikely alliance between Rahab and the spies. She is not the type of woman we would think God would choose to be the heroine of the story, which is why we need to read on to see what happens. Chapter 2 begins with the mission. 
The second part of chapter two is about the mission threatened. Verses two through six says, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they've come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they'd come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. The mission is threatened by the fact that the spies have been spotted. Maybe they weren't very good at being spies, but it feels like their presence was discovered pretty quickly. Now their lives were in jeopardy. Typically, when spies are captured, they are killed. Kings don't tolerate people spying out their land before launching an attack. If the king can find them, he will kill them. Their mission is threatened. Right away, the question is introduced. Will the mission fail? The spies were to travel undercover. They were to be incognito. They were to keep to themselves from, keep themselves from being seen and found out. Will the mission collapse before it even gets started? But the mission doesn't collapse because the Jewish spies are saved by Rahab. She pay, plays her cards shrewdly. When the king's men demand she brings the men out, she does not comply. She lies, and she tells them that they left. But if they leave quickly, they might be able to catch up with them. She didn't tell them she was hiding the spies on her roof. She was protecting the two strangers she had just met. Why would she do that? Why would she risk her own life for them? Rahab was putting her own life in jeopardy. If the king's men had searched her business and discovered that she was harboring fugitives, not only would they kill the spies, they would kill her too. She was now an accessory to a crime. It's against the law to lie to a police officer. She was putting herself in danger. Why? For whatever reason, Rahab is providing the spies with an alibi. She's buying them time. She stresses the need for the king's men to hurry after them, giving the impression that the spies are just ahead of them. If they act swiftly, they might catch them. But the spies are actually up on her rooftop, which was typically a workspace for many businesses in those days. They were hiding under some stalks of flax, which were probably used to make fiber for linen cloth. Roofs were typically accessible by wooden steps or ladders. The king's men easily could have entered her establishment, 
searched the place and found them. Mission over. Mission failed. But for some reason, they don't. They believed Rahab. And because of her, the mission does not fail. The Jewish spies owed their lives to a prostitute. The third part of the story is about the fear of the mission. Verses 8 to 21 says this. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is a God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and then you, that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and unless you have brought your father and mother your brothers and all your family into your house if any of them go outside your house into the street their bloods will be on their own heads we will not be responsible as for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. In this story, Rahab is the active character, and the Jewish spies are the passive ones. Even though she's a prostitute and she's used to telling men what they want to hear, they believe her. They believe she's telling them the truth. And she tells them the most important information they discover, that a great fear has, of them has fallen on the people of Jericho. She says the people are melting in fear because they had heard what God did in parting the Red Sea and how they had destroyed other cities. She says their hearts have melted in fear and everyone's courage has failed. That's all they need to know. 
Rahab has made a decision that she wants to be a part of the Jewish people. Whether it's simply for her own survival or whether it's because a new faith is beginning to emerge in her, she wants to be with the Israelites. She wants God on her side. So she makes a request. Because she has been kind to them, she asks them to be kind to her. When they enter the city and take it over, she asks them to swear to spare her and her family, and they agree. Now the spies propose a deal of their own. If she does not tell anyone what they are up to, they will spare her and her family. She needs to hang a red cord out her window so the soldiers know not to attack her house. If her family members remain in the house, they will be safe. But if they leave the house, they will not be responsible for their lives. She agrees. She tells them to go and hide in the hills for three days until it's safe for them to return. She lets them down by a rope from a window and they escape. One wonders how many times she had helped other men escape from her business this way before. But now she's helping the people of God. They leave her with the most valuable intelligence they needed. The people of Jericho were afraid of their mission. They were afraid of their God. They now know their mission will succeed. The fourth and final part of this chapter is mission accomplished. Verses 22 to 24 says, When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. The spies did what Rahab told them to do. They hid in the hills for three days and then returned home safely. They learned they could trust her. They reported to Joshua everything that had happened and that all the people were melting in fear because of them. Joshua now knows they can take the city. The oxymoron in this story is that Rahab is a faithful prostitute. We wouldn't normally put those two words together. It makes us scratch our heads. The heroine of the story is both a foreigner and a prostitute. Two kinds of people they would not normally have trusted. This foreign woman affirms the God of Israel and helps God's people in their mission. She is becoming a new person. As a result, Rahab becomes incorporated into the people of Israel following the destruction of Jericho. So when Matthew writes his gospel, he includes Rahab in the genealogy of Jesus. 
Even though God made his covenant with the Jewish people, it shows that God is always willing to add outsiders into the family of God. Origen, one of the early church fathers, wrote that the name Rahab means breadth. Sheena's example of how broad the church of Christ is. If God can find room in the church for a woman who was both a foreigner and a prostitute, then surely there is room for everyone who believes in Jesus, regardless of their past. Rahab even gets included in the great hall of faith in Hebrews 11, where verse 31 says, By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And James 2.25 says, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Nowhere does the Bible say that her line of work was okay. Nowhere does the Bible say that there was nothing wrong with how she made her living. The Bible is pointing out her change of heart. She was willing to risk all she had and put her own life in jeopardy to assist the mission of God. It was because she believed in God and acted in faith that she was saved. And the Bible is telling us that that can happen to anyone. No matter what you have done in the past, no matter how bad you think you have been, Rahab's story tells us if we believe in Jesus and put our faith in God, we will be saved. The story of Joshua is about God's mysterious mission. Our God is a God who surprises us. Our God gives every one of us a mission. Often our mission gets threatened. Often we get afraid that our mission will fail. And often God surprises us in the way it all works out. Sometimes God leads us into alliances with unlikely people, like George W. Bush and Ellen DeGeneres. That doesn't mean we approve of everything people have done in their past or everything people say and do today. But it opens the window to how God might be working in their lives, how God might be changing their hearts, and how God may be leading unlikely people to put their faith in Christ. Sometimes the people who become believers surprise us. The people whom God includes in his church shocks us. But the story of Rahab shows us that no matter the obstacles, God's mission will always succeed, and that he will sometimes use people we would not expect. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.